Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, please. While the group are finding their seats, really appreciate you all, you singers, musicians. Week in, week out, really appreciate you. It's good to be saved, isn't it? It's good to know your Christ, isn't it? It's good to have assurance to belong to him. I belong to him. I'll never forget the day and hour that he saved me. Never forget it. I love him. Luke chapter 2, please. Beginning to read at verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, and the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, good will toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. The Lord will bless that reading of his own inspired word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the sense of your presence, your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the assurance. Thank you for the knowledge that we have, that we are saved who are in Christ. Thank you, Father, for the precious blood that he shed. We thank you that we're washed and we're cleansed by the blood. We thank you this morning, Lord, that we are redeemed, owned by the sovereign God, rescued from our lives, from ourselves, from our depravity, Rescued from the broad road to destruction and from a lake of fire. This morning, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness and your grace toward us. Now we pray, Father, that you would, Lord, help us to take thy word. And Lord, we would take your word and we would chew it over. That we would ponder it as Mary pondered things in her heart. And Lord, that we would continue to think upon these things until your word transforms our minds, renews our hearts, encourages our spirit. Father, if there's one here or some who are not yet saved nor born again of the Spirit of God, we pray that the Spirit who is with us now would speak to their heart and point them to Christ. Use this man, I pray this morning. Bless the children, the leaders, the teachers, all down there. The Lord, rehearsing and practicing for tonight. May their little souls, Lord, come to know the Savior. For Jesus' name's sake we ask it. Amen. Shepherds in a field, angels in the heavenlies, a baby in a manger. The shepherds were abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock, in verse 8. 
in verse 9, the angels came. It says, And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And then in verse 13 of our reading, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Then in verse 12, it says, And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, just to let you know at this point, Jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December. He was more likely born around the end of September, the beginning of October. But around December time was probably his conception of the Virgin Mary through the Holy Spirit. But since we are here, let us talk about these things this morning. Take note on this. The shepherds in the field would be looking for a lamb. What do I mean by that? The shepherds which were in the field watching their flock by night Those shepherds were more than likely Levitical shepherds. In other words, they were from the tribe of Levi, and there they would be looking for lambs that were without spot, lambs that were without blemish, lambs that were without disease or injury or untoward markings. Now, why would they be doing that? Because these shepherds, being more than likely from the Levitical priesthood, would be bringing these lambs to the temple. And as they would bring them to the temple, they would probably be putting them or even selling them for families at Passover. And so Passover would be months away from our reading. And we're told in the Old Testament, a lamb of a year old was to be set aside It was set aside for four days. And that lamb was the Paschal lamb, the Passover lamb. And that lamb would bleat being alone for four days. Before then, it became the sacrifice for the sins of Israel. Here's something the Lord Jesus Christ himself, he was our Passover lamb. He's the lamb of God. And into the fourth year, three and a half years, a day for a year, he was in the fourth day whenever he would be preaching the kingdom of God and showing men the way of salvation before he was taken as the last, the final lamb sacrifice which would be for the remission of sins. So these shepherds, it wasn't just, well, there's a group of shepherds, let's take that. There was a reason behind this. And these shepherds would have used clothes or cloths, strips of cloths to bind up some of the young lambs at the very early stages that their legs might be protected and kept perfectly straight. Because God says no blemish. One with a wonky leg was no good. No blemish. Christ is the sinless, spotless, impeccable Son of God, the Lamb. And hence, this, these lambs would have been wrapped in cloths, swaddling, strips of cloths, bound up to keep them straight, to keep them right. Hence, the angel of the Lord who appeared to them knew exactly the shepherds he was coming to. So now the story that we hear in nativity takes a whole different meaning, doesn't it? And hence the shepherds were there in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now the shepherds were told that there would be a babe lying in a manger. So we have the shepherds in the field, the heavenly host that would come, a baby 
in a manger in Bethlehem. Here's something. Have you ever thought like this? We're told the shepherds got up and went with haste. What happened to all those other sheep? Were they just left to wander fields? Surely it must be when they mean with haste that they were to pen them quickly, make sure they were in and went to see this other little lamb, as it were, the baby in the manger. Because here's why the Lord Jesus talks about a shepherd having 100 sheep. 99 are in the fold and one has gone astray and is lost. The shepherd counts them in, then goes after the one sheep that is lost. The shepherd seeks the sheep. If you're not saved this morning, I want to tell you, maybe you've been thinking, well, I'm seeking for truth. I'm seeking for God. I'm seeking for religion. I'm seeking for whatever. Listen, it's Christ who seeks the sheep. People seek peace. People seek after other things, peace of heart, peace of mind. People seek things like, and they try and fill the void, fill the gap with everything. But you see, it takes the Spirit of God to bring you to the Son of God. These shepherds more than likely would have penned them as quick as they could they went after the one which they heard of in Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. House of bread. And is it a coincidence? I, I say not because everything in the word of God is there for a reason. We just glance over these things and we're, we don't really ponder them and dig them up as it were. Turn over every word. We hear the story, and that was a nice little story. This is not a, a, a little nativity children's story. This is the Word of God. Just as much as John 3.16 is the Word of God, or Romans 10 is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. They go to the place Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Notice House of Bread, yet in John 6 and verse 35 The Lord Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Hungry people looking for bread. Hungry people filling the void. Hungry people trying to fill the emptiness of heart and mind. Maybe it's been disillusionment, disturbance, disheartening. Things have happened in your life. And you've wondered what all this is about. And you've tried and tried and tried to fill everything up that you could to put it into the void. What is missing is the Lord himself. That he only can bring you peace. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. Oh, the flesh will hunger and the flesh will thirst. But within you, he gives the settlement. He gives you the reconciliation with God. And no longer are you at war with God, enemy of God. But rather you come into servanthood and friendship with God. The angels in the heavenlies, the baby in the manger, take note of this. The angels in the heavenlies herald, herald the baby. I'm going to take you somewhere. This is important. The angels in the heavenlies herald a little baby. And then... When they herald the baby, it brings glory to God. Think about this. I, I, I was reading this when I wrote this during the week, and I don't know how many times I've read it, and all of this just jumped out at me, what I'm telling you today. The angels are heralding the baby. The angels are heralding this little one in a manger. But what they're doing is they're, They're glorifying God by heralding the baby. 
And it shows us that when we let Christ, as it were, pardon the word let, but we, get, we put Christ in our lives to have the preeminence in our lives, we're glorifying the Father. When we speak of Christ and his wonder and his beauty and his blood and his cross, we glorify the Father. Because, you see, he says, no man can come unto me except the Father which sent me draw him. He also says, I am the way, the the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So when we worship him, we're worshiping our Father. We're glorifying the Father. And these angels are heralding a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. There's no room even for them in the inn. They're in some sort of a stable. Whatever form that's taken could be a hole in the rock, some say. Some say it wasn't. It was a proper house built for the animals. We don't know. But whatever it may be, as the angels heralded the baby Jesus, the Father was glorified. That's why our, our whole worship, that's why our around this table, our whole service, our whole lives should be all done to the glory of the Lord. The Christ must have the preeminence in all things. The preaching of the word, the teaching of the word, from the Bible study to the Sunday morning and the Sunday evening, Christ must be glorified. And in that, we glorify the Father. Heralding Christ as Savior, we're glorifying the Father. Heralding Christ as the only way we are glorifying the Father. And so these angels herald the baby Jesus in a manger, and there they are glorifying the Father. Luke chapter 2 and verse 14 says, they were saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Glory to God in the highest. Notice this now. The word glory, as in glory to God. Glory is the word doxa. D-O-X-A. Doxa. And it means many things, but here's part of its meaning. It denotes opinion and estimation. Opinion and estimation. In other words, we only can glorify God by the amount of, of opinion we have of him. Our estimation of who God is, who Christ is, who the baby who grew up to be a man on the cross. We, if we don't know him, we cannot glorify God. People think they can just glorify God by standing in a a meeting and not knowing Christ. They think they can glorify God by coming into a meeting and not even move their lips. One of the old Puritans once said, it would be bad worship and poor worship if we were to come to church and move our hats when all men wore hats coming to church. And move our hearts and not our hearts. I can't imagine coming to a meeting and moving, as it were, my heart, but not moving my heart. Worship is from two words worth and ship. Ship gives the idea of something that is created, made. Fellowship between two people or more. They do something together. Fellowship. And worship is when the person, the the redeemed heart, the redeemed soul, the blood-washed child of God, when they come in and their estimation and their opinion of Christ is greater, is greater than anything else. When our estimation and opinion of Christ is greater than even those who are sitting around us. Even those 
who are sitting around us. What do I mean? When you can have an estimation, an opinion that if, if I were to truly worship from my heart, Joe Bloggs here beside me might think I am crazy. Oh, if I were to come and surrender myself, what if I cried tears in the meeting before the Lord? Mrs. So-and-so might think that there's something wrong with me and I'm just weak. Brothers and sisters, when we worship the Lord, may our worship be something we have made ready to offer up. Worship isn't, well, worship was good today. I know we all say that in a sense because he's good. And we were aware of him. But worship isn't something really we receive. Worship is something we give. Worship is something we give. And hence, the doxa means or gives the, the, the opinion, it denotes an opinion or an estimation. And hence, may it help you whenever you come to your own prayer life. Hence may I come when you come to a meeting and we start to sing, not because it's your favorite, but because the words that in that hymn, in that song, they, they are truth and they mean something. And we have a great opinion of Christ. Our estimation of Jesus is more than what people think around us and we will sing and worship. Because he is worthy of it. Notice here, glory to God, doxa. One uh, writer said that this word glory to God means glory words. Bring glory words. It's one of the Greek scholars said it means that they came with glory words. I remember... A man came to me oh, quite a lot of years ago and he says to me, I was reading this morning and I was reading Ephesians chapter 1. And he says, I came to the verse in Ephesians 1 where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, and I thought to myself, how do we bless God? He's God. He has everything. He is. He's everything that we need rather than us bless him. This man was perplexed. How do we bless God? Well, this was my reply to him. The word blessed there. It's in Ephesians 1 about verse 3 or 4, I think. And the word blessed is the word yulego. And it's made up of two words, you, E-U, and Lego as an L-E-G-O. You means good. Lego means speak. Talk. Logos is from this, which means the word. You means good. And Lego means speak. And it means blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It means speak well off. Speak good off. Lift him up. And speak well of him. Lord, you are the great I am. You are the creator and the maker, the keeper and the sustainer of all life and all things that ever there were or would be in the whole of this universe. You uphold all things by the word of your power. Yea, you are all together lovely, Lord Jesus. There's none like you, none beside you, none can compare to you. Speaking good, speaking well, that's how we bless the Lord. So, when it says here, glory to God in the highest, in the highest, This is a superlative word. A superlative word. Suppose a superlative word could 
be explained like this. The highest means the highest of the high. You can't get any higher. The highest of the high. I'll give you an example. Songs of Solomon, the little book in the Old Testament. He writes, the song of songs, which is Solomon's. He's writing, this is the song above all other songs that I've ever written. There's no song like this song. So it's the song above songs. He's glory to God who's in the highest of the high. There's no higher than the abode of our Father. There's no higher than the abode of Almighty God. So here he's saying in a, a superlative sense, the angels are proclaiming. And they're saying, have a high opinion and an estimation of your heavenly Father. Speak well and good of him. Praise him. For he is the highest of the high. And there's none like him. See, I, I think sometimes we all lose. We all lose that awe of God. We all lose the awe of God. And hence some of us don't realize about the reverence of God. Reverencing him. And many have definitely lost all fear of God. These angels know exactly who this baby in a manger is. They knew exactly who the shepherds were they were coming to. And hence when they appear, they're saying, this baby is the Lamb of God. And you'll recognize him. What was the sign? Well, the, the wise men, we know we see the wise men, the baby in the manger. The wise men probably didn't come till Jesus was maybe a year old or so, believe it or not. So what was the shepherd saying? The wise men followed the star. What was the shepherd saying? You go to Bethlehem and you'll find a baby in a manger. So first of all, you can, you, you can seek in a place that's busy but go to a manger. Well, where's a manger? So they start putting two and two together and they run with haste to find the Christ child. But you'll know him just in case there was any other. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in the manger. This word, uh, the highest glory to God in the highest. In Luke chapter one, if you want to flick over just the chapter, Reading from verse 31, please. This is when the angel announced, announced to Mary she would bear the child. Luke 1, verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and, sh- and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. It's the same superlative word. He's the son of the highest of the high. There's no God's. All the other religions, they're saying, all the other faiths, all the other idols, all the other statues, all the things they run after and chase after, and all of those other religions outside of this, he says, now they call them gods. They're not gods. He says, this is the highest of the high, the one true living God, and he's his son. Notice, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. This actually speaks of the birth of Christ, and it tells us that he's coming again. Why? He's not reigning over the literal throne of the house of David at the moment. He's ruling from heaven, yes, but as a man sitting on the throne of David. So this speaks of the first to the second coming. Now take note here, he says, he shall be called the son of the highest. In verse 35 of the chapter, 
And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which is born of God, pardon me, shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Now note again here, here is the Son of God in verse 32. Now that's the power of the Son of the Highest, pardon me, in verse 32. Now it's the power of the Highest. Now the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary. Some people like to take it and make, make it sound crude. Oh, this young woman, what sort of a young woman uh, would allow someone to be forced themselves upon her? What sort of God then would allow this to happen, to force himself upon her? And that's what a lot of the atheists and non-believers say. Listen, brothers and sisters, first of all, every young woman in Israel and Judah, they looked and waited and watched and hoped to be the bearer of Messiah. And secondly, it doesn't mean to do an act as a man and a woman would do an act. It means he overshadows like the cloud of glory overshadowed the tabernacle. And it's the power of the highest. It's the highest of high power. In other words, it's God himself, the Holy Spirit. Wasn't that he would enter into the womb of Mary? No, it means that he would overshadow her and his power would cause her to conceive. So away with all of this stuff that people try and lay on you. All you need to do is look up overshadow. In fact, in the book of Acts, when people, Peter walked past people, they, they tried to get it within his shadow that he might overshadow them looking for healing. He didn't go and touch them. It was his shadow. It's the same, exact same term here. And so we find that there's the son of the highest we have the power of the highest. In verse 76 of the chapter, if you'll go with me, Zacharias, his wife Elizabeth, will be with child, and she will bear John the Baptist. And notice in verse 76, please. And he says, And thy child shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. John the Baptist was the one who was filled with the Holy Spirit even in his mother's womb. And here we're told he is a prophet of the highest. Again, it's the same word, the highest of the high. God from heaven. God himself. The Holy Spirit come down. And he does the work. Hence, if you're writing notes, Isaiah 40 verses 1 to about 5 fulfills. This is prophecy fulfilled in Isaiah 40. So the angels in the heavenly sang glory words to God. And they heralded the baby in the manger to the shepherds in a field. Now here's something many people might gloss over. In our reading, Luke chapter 2, And in verse 15, I alluded to it just a moment ago. Verse 15, please. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. What do we gloss over? The very last line of that verse, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Notice, which the Lord hath made known unto us. In other words, these shepherds were full of religion. Especially, more than likely, being Levitical priests. They're shepherds. The wonderful thing is, shepherds weren't thought of much in these days. Shepherds couldn't be too ceremonial clean because they're always touching dead things. But the Lord came to these The Lord came to people like this. Now the Lord could have left those shepherds and those shepherds would have knew nothing of Christ. Absolutely nothing. Even though he was born as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger in Bethlehem, 
He could have been there and left and gone and those shepherds would be still in their religion and dead in their sin. Just like you and I could have been left, as it were, in our religion and dead in our sin. Just like if you're not saved, you're still in your sin. But thank God this morning that he's brought you here to hear that there's a baby came and then a manger. But also that he grew as a man and died on the cross. And he shed his precious blood for you. Notice they got up and they went as soon as they could. They went looking for the Christ child. Take notice of this. The Lord hath made known unto us. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. If you want to turn with me. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. Notice what it says. How then shall they call in him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? You know what this tells me? This tells us this morning. Except the Lord had made known Christ unto us. Except the Lord had come in the Spirit through the Word, maybe someone witnessing or preaching, except the Lord had made known Christ unto us, we'd still be lost. Still be totally lost. We wouldn't be any better than the men and women out there who are unsaved and the men and women who don't know Christ, even the men and women who even hate Christ or are enemies to Christ. We would be no better. Do you see the the flesh of the men and women who go into the clubs, the pubs, and they drink and take drugs and fornicate and do all this sort of... Do you know the only difference between their flesh and the Christian's flesh? There's none but one. You're redeemed, waiting for the change. But in the now, here and now, You and I are no different in the flesh. No different in the flesh. You know why you're here this morning? Do you know why you love the Lord this morning? Do you know why you struggle even with things? Trying to get the victory over things? Because the spirit and the flesh are at war one against the other. And you're here because the Spirit has won this morning. You're here because you've obeyed the Spirit and the Word rather than the flesh. And Paul tells us here in verse 14, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Or how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring tidings of good things. Paul said that my feet are beautiful. That your feet, if they carry you to the service of Christ, to the witness of the word, are beautiful feet. Because it's carrying the word of God. How are they going to hear if you don't preach it? What about the churches that are filled and they never preach the word? These shepherds in the field would be lost and undone if it were not the Lord who had taken them and made known Christ unto them. When I was in the world and you were in the world, we wanted to know nothing of Christ. But it is Christ who is, the Spirit of the Lord has created, created in us, creates in the man and the woman, that regenerates us to be able to see Christ, to call on his name to be saved. And without him, that is the Spirit of God. Without God, we cannot know Christ. 
And you can be in religion. They were looking for the lamb. The lamb was in Bethlehem. The Jews missed him. They crucified him, shouting for his death. While at Passover, sacrificing lambs and shedding their blood. Gallons and gallons of it. The Lamb of God was outside the city walls. Crucified. Pouring out his blood. Once. And for all time. I must round this up. You see, Paul says, how can they hear without a preacher? You see, there was no books as in a Bible like we have. The, they, they were on, the Word of God was Old Testament. They had it on scrolls in synagogues, temple. And even though many of the common people in Judea could read, yet they had nothing to read. But they could read about the coming of Christ, the shadow of it. The prophets talking about him. But they didn't know the substance of it. So they couldn't hear unless someone went to teach. That's why they gathered outside or right across Greece and listened to orators and philosophers. That's why they listened by the ear. Faith coming comes by, what is it? Hearing. That's why Paul's writing this. He's saying they have to hear. They don't have the book. And they have to go by what the scrolls are saying. And only the minister or the priest of the synagogue can read it. And the people won't hear. So go preach, he says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's the same in the Reformation. The people couldn't read the scriptures. They were chained to a pulpit. They were written in Latin. Until the Reformation, when the Bible started to be produced, and people could read it in their hands and help it. That's why whenever there was a time when people in the Bible were deaf, it was a, it was a thing, of course, we all want our hearing, our faculties in that sense, and our senses, but in the hearing, they needed to hear. It was a big part of this. And Jesus opens the ears and says, you can hear of salvation now, for I haven't the book to show you. But thankfully, that person who was healed by Christ saw the word of God in flesh. So when you read Luke 4, verse 17, it says, There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And in verse 20, after reading, he says, He closed the book and gave it again to the minister. And he sat down. He's actually in the synagogue, and he had to have, here's the word of God. The word manifest in flesh. God, a very God. Sitting in a synagogue. And he had to wait till a man comes and says, Would you like to read that? And when he lifts it, he looks up. And he starts to read. Brothers and sisters, he closes it and he gives it to the administrator, the attendant, and he sits down again. And that's why people were, they had to hear. The shepherds heard the word and the word gave them faith to come to find Christ. And it's not that they went to find him in that sense. Christ came and draws men to himself. Christ came from heaven and he says, I'll draw men to myself. The strange truth is this. We read of the birth of Christ in just two of our four gospels. Just two of them. I think some people think they're in all the gospels. It's not, it's only in Matthew and then look where we're reading this morning. Mark, no. John, no. Just in Matthew and then Luke. And we see all that fulfillment of the, the prophecies. And we, we celebrate his birth. Yes, we do. But do you know this? There's nowhere in the scriptures tells us 
to celebrate his birth. Nowhere. Nowhere tells us, celebrate my birth. I'll tell you what the scriptures tells us. Remember my death. Now while the world goes mad and goes crazy and has secularized everything that they call Christmas. And songs are written and so-called songs about Jesus are written and are in the, the, the secular charts and all of this sort of stuff. Brothers and sisters, you think of all of these things and every church starts putting on all of these big shows about Christmas and the baby coming. What if the world stopped about the birth and started about the cross? What if everywhere in the United Kingdom, what if every church, every person, every place started from every corner, every talk, what did you get for Christmas? What do you got ready for Christmas? What are you going to do for Christmas? What do we got your dinner ready for Christmas? And we all do all of the, what about what about if we were all to be like, what about the cross of Christ? What about the blood of Jesus? For there's nowhere tells us to remember his birth. But he tells us this do in remembrance of me. To remember his cross. If we remember the cross the way we remember at this time of year his birth as such, I believe there'd be a revival in Ulster. Yes, we celebrate his birth and we remember his death. Ecclesiastes 3 verses 1 and 2 says, To everything there is a season and a, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. Listen, a time to be born. The baby in the manger before he comes. All the scriptures will look at him. We know it's us. Time to be born, time to die. All of the scriptures will look at him. Time to be born. Baby in a manger in Bethlehem. Time to be born. What time? What time? Here's the time. Galatians 4 verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Why? To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. What time? When the fullness of time... Do you ever wonder what that means, the fullness of time? What does that mean, fullness of time? Tell you what it means. It means Daniel chapter 9 when there's a 70-week prophecy on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right on time. When the angel prophesied to Daniel that the Messiah would come the 69 weeks coming into the 70. And there he is as a baby in a manger. When the fullness of time was come. So I will just read these out. Here are likenesses, if you want, or differences in our story to the cross and the story to the coming of Christ the second time. First of all, people came together around the baby and they also gathered around the cross. Mary, our Lord's mother, looked on at him in the manger, but looked up at him on the cross. Think about this. Jesus had swaddling clothes at his birth and grave clothes at his death. He was led in a manger, but he was nailed to a tree. He came to keep God's law and he died on the cross to reconcile you and I, the lawbreakers. He was led in a manger and then led in a tomb. He came naked into this world as a baby and he was crucified naked for all the world to see as a man. The heavens praised him at his birth. They turned their back on the cross. 
but as death. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We celebrate his birth, yes, we remember his death, and we watch and we wait for his second coming. This is short. First of all, the shepherds were in the field. In Matthew 13 and verse 38, and we have the parable of the sower, and the Lord Jesus telling the parable says about the, sow, the sower sowing the seed, which was Israel, and the good, the good seed is the word of God. And he says that the field is the world. The pastors are the shepherds in the field, the world today. Secondly, the angels in the heavenlies, suddenly there were angels, it says, and Jude 1 and 14 says, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints at his second coming. To the shepherds, to the pastors, to the sheep, the people, the sheeple, the sheep people, those who are God's own people. And they're in the field with the shepherds, and the heavenly host. Now they'll be in the field, which is the world, as it were. And the Lord will break the skies himself. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. And the angels told the shepherds, they must go before his coming. And I want you to get this, because this is my very last saying here. I want you to catch it, especially if you're not saved this morning. Especially if you've never come to Christ this morning. I want you to hear it. The angels told them of the baby that they must go to him. Just like they would be left if it was not shown of them of the Lord. They must go to the Christ in the, in the manger. And hence the preacher is telling you today. You must be at the cross. You must be at the cross. I'm going to say it again. You must be at the cross and be saved. Be Christ's before his coming again. Or before you leave this world in the scene of time. So are you saved this morning? We're here to help. If you're not, may God bless you this morning. Thank you for your attention, your attendance. We're on the bit late because of all the things we've done there.